Welcome to Musically Hitched, a podcast featuring the untold stories of entertainment professionals from household names to budding superstars and those still hidden in plain sight. Each life has a soundtrack. Our stories are the lyrics. I'm Zach Reynolds Jr. And I'm Crystal Reynolds. This This is is Musically Hitched. To our loyal followers, we'd like to say welcome back and thanks again for joining us. If you're tuning in for the first time or you haven't followed yet and you're enjoying the podcast, go ahead and hit that plus sign or follow button and leave a rating and review. This helps the podcast reach and add value to others just like you. We appreciate your support. One of the first things that must be understood about the music business is that it's a package deal. It's a value meal, a combo. It's both music and business. It's not one or the other. It's both. Many artists, creators, and fans alike have a love affair with music. We live for the creative process. That magical moment where an unseen, unheard idea originates in our head and begins to come to life in the audible form of singing, beatboxing, humming, a foot tapping, or a fist banging on a table is hard to put into words. The euphoria of getting into the studio and finally recording in tangible form the outward expression of our ideas is a high that the musician chases over and over again for their entire life. An insatiable hunger to self-express and communicate the colors we see in our heads to the ears and hearts of listeners worldwide is the literal fabric and heartbeat that keeps the music industry alive. So let's talk about the music. The music is everything. Without notes, melodies, beats, chords, Lyrics and progressions, we have nothing. Music has the power to make us laugh, cry, run, scream, jump, and reflect. The tension created by the cue in a movie trailer helps us to predict the fate of the characters on screen. The organ or piano in a church can make us lift our hands and move us to a state of spiritual release. In a world full of instant gratification, the instrumental jazz that we hear while on hold with the internet provider strategically calms us after hearing the tragic news that we're now caller number 17 and our wait time is approximately 45 minutes. Music is literally everywhere. It's on the streets of New York City and New Orleans. It's on every commercial and ad that you see on TV Instagram, and YouTube. It's in elevators and hotels, the women's section in Macy's, that ringtone from the customer behind you at the self-checkout kiosk in the grocery store, the line at Starbucks, and in the toys, video games, and cartoons that your kids just can't get enough of. Music is the soundtrack of our lives. We couldn't escape it if we tried. It's too necessary to the economy. Music literally moves products off shelves, 
onto Amazon and FedEx trucks and planes worldwide and into your home. It's the universal language spoken by everyone, no matter your native tongue. So, now that we agree that we can't escape music, nor do we want to, we need to understand how it's made, how it moves, and its value. It can be explained in one word, business. Music is not just an art form, it's product and inventory. Every product has a production cost, and music is no different. Don't believe me? Keep listening. The music you pull up effortlessly on your smartphone while prepping your next social media post, somebody paid for that. That beautiful background track you heard in the restaurant while waiting to be seated by the host, someone paid for that. The music in your child's favorite toy or playing over the public address system in the arena of your favorite pro sports team, someone paid a lot of money for that. No matter what you think about it, and even if you still have no idea what I'm talking about, know this, music isn't free. To gain a better understanding of just how not free music is, allow me to shine a light on four of the conduits that music passes through on its way from creator to consumer. The Studio Every song or jingle that's ever been recorded had a recording fee. Either the creator of the song booked and paid for studio time to record, or they went the DIY route and invested both time and money into selecting, purchasing, and learning to operate recording gear and software. The songwriters paid the music producer to create the tracks, and possibly a vocal producer too, to arrange and oversee the vocal recordings. The studio owner pays a mortgage, rent or lease payment, plus insurance and utilities to make sure there were lights, water, heat, AC and internet. The sound and acoustic treatment of the ceilings and walls came with a price tag. The music isn't made for free. Physical and digital distribution. Back in the day when everyone recorded at commercial studios, or more elaborate home studio setups with tons of outboard gear, after mixing and mastering were completed, the final recordings were sent to pressing plants, which is where vinyl albums were made. Eventually, there were cassettes, then came compact discs. All of these were physical products that were created and priced by the quantity desired. Back then, recording artists didn't have to be graphic designers like in today's age of content creation, so a designer would create the artwork and liner notes for a fee. After pressing, of course, were the cost for shipping. If you were able to secure a distribution deal, this deal would allow you to have your product in stores. The distributors were paid a commission for each sale they make, and the record label, in most cases now the independent artist, would be responsible for manufacturing the CDs, and they also handle the record promotion. Want to know why music is so inexpensive these days? You know, like 99 cents per song? Here's an important music industry history lesson that will help you understand. The advent of Napster in 1999 changed the game for good with MP3s becoming the intangible version 
of the CD. Napster, created by a 19-year-old computer hacker who had discovered a way to share music for free, was essentially a music cataloging system that could search a computer's hard drive, identify all the MP3s located on it, and allow those files to be shared and played by anyone else that used the software. In an interview with the BBC World Service, Napster founder Sean Fanning was quoted saying, It was something that provided a better, more reliable, and fun way for people to share music and see each other's music collections. For the first time, this full history of recorded music was available online to everyone instantly. Napster sucker punched the music industry at a time when CDs were extremely popular, approaching a billion units sold in the year 2000 alone, and priced around $15 to $16 per CD. At that time, music consumers had to buy an entire album even if they only liked a few of the songs. Instead of buying them out or licensing recordings to the software company, the music industry at large responded with a barrage of unsuccessful copyright infringement lawsuits, ultimately losing years of business to Napster. Prior to Steve Jobs of Apple introducing the online distribution giant known as iTunes. Music was significantly devalued during the Napster years, as users could access and download single songs for free. What once cost $15 to $20 to obtain became free or almost free, with digital stores pricing at an alarming $0.99 cents per song. As a result, in today's music economy, it is most common for creators to release product digitally through online stores, whether through major retail distributors or direct-to-consumer via their website of choice. The price of distribution followed. It has been lowered dramatically and takes on the form of subscription and upload fees. Let's talk about live performance. At live performance venues, from major arenas and amphitheaters to local nightclubs and restaurants, music is performed. Night after night, show after show, all year long. Without getting into the weeds of recording and publishing deals, which we'll address in greater detail in future episodes, one of the main ways that recording artists and musicians have historically supported themselves is by live performance. The formula goes a little something like this. Artist records project. Artist releases project. Artist goes on tour to perform and sell the project. Artist repeats the process. As I stated earlier, it costs money to record and release the music. It also costs just as much, if not more, to hit the road, tour, and promote the music. Artists typically earn performance fees and or a percentage of the door or ticket sales for their shows at venues. What you may not realize is that venues must also pay when the music is performed publicly at their venue. Venues pay a licensing fee for the right to publicly perform the music being heard from its stages or within its walls. These licensing fees are collected by performing rights organizations such as BMI, ASCAP, and CSAC and are ultimately distributed in the form of royalties 
by these companies to the publishers and songwriters of these works. Your ticket is not free, as it helps to support the venue and to compensate the artists and their crew. You may hear the music from the stage or in the background, but again, someone is paying for that. And finally, music is also felt and heard on both the big and small screen. For decades and decades, people have watched TV and gone to movies, witnessing the impact of music's ability to help tell stories with visuals. The role of a music supervisor is to work with composers and music libraries to find the perfect music for each scene. They then take the selected music and sync it with the footage for maximum entertainment effect. Commercials on television networks from New Year's Day to New Year's Eve feature music, often hit songs from various eras, and sound beds that engage the viewer and persuade you to watch buy, or both. Video games are not silent, but are embedded with action cues and celebratory tunes. Use of this music by the production company is permitted by what's called a sync license, with the publisher of the song indicating the required upfront fee to be paid. Specifically regarding use of the music on TV, the PROs mentioned earlier will also pay a back-end performance royalty each time the episode or movie featuring the song is broadcast. Content creators now have access to what appears to be free music on various social media platforms, from the most famous artists of all time to today's stars and even those unknown. Social media may be free, but the content created is extremely valuable to the company. These companies know that just like traditional advertising on TV commercials, music is what sells the product and helps get the message across. So, they've done deals with record labels, music publishers, music libraries, and independent music creators to license the use of their music for you to sync with your content. No, it didn't cost you anything. But from this point forward, Always remember when you hear music anywhere, somebody paid for that. Music is not free. To our listeners, we'd like to say thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's content, go ahead and hit that plus sign or follow button and leave a rating and review. This helps the podcast reach and add value to others just like you. We appreciate your support. This is Zach Reynolds Jr. We look forward to you joining us again for another episode of Musically Hitched. Musically Hitched.